to start this morning um, and, uh, by, by just quickly telling, uh, telling you a quick story. And this is, this is what I actually want to say. I'm going to show you the end at the beginning this morning. Okay. And um, when Emma was born in 2020, it was just before lockdown, seven days before lockdown, seven days went by. I actually went back to my work for three days and then they told us, please go home. And um, I, I had the, the massive blessing of being home with my wife with our firstborn, okay? It was a really amazing, massive blessing that I, I didn't have to go to work in that time, even in that difficult time. But part of that is we, we actually had a, a very small house. It, it had two rooms, but it was, it was actually as big as a one-room flat, okay? This whole house you could put in one room, basically. And... Um, we, we were part of a complex where you didn't actually have your own yard. So it was difficult to figure out, you know, you can't go out of your house where, you know, where, where can't you walk, what, can, what can't you do, all these things. You try to figure out all the rules and boundaries. And we had this little um, newly born baby in the house. And I, as, some of, as some of the moms definitely can say, you know, it's, it's nice to be at home at the beginning, but somewhere you just want to go for a walk. And I, I don't know if you guys could remember that first six weeks, if I'm correct, we couldn't even walk in the streets. Okay. And then after that, they opened up and suddenly everyone got exercise shoes, you know. Everyone was, was um, looked like athletes for, uh, I think, a week. And then it went away. But in that time, something that we started doing was we, on, on YouTube, there's these stories, not watch stories, visual stories, but listening stories, like someone reading a book. And there's this old kiddies one, it's very old, so uh, I'm not sure how many people would have actually listened to this, but it's called Salty. Has anyone heard? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see Milo's like, yes, I'm still listening, bro. I'm still listening to it. Um, and Salty was this big blue book psalm book with these big pages at his back and then basically you would page through his back and you know you will get a, a song a kiddie song and all the kids so you guys know the typical kiddie shows everyone suddenly starts singing and all of that and then i mean we played those things over and over and over and to a certain extent it becomes a little bit irritating because salty doesn't have a normal voice you know he, he speaks like a, a a child character but you know tolerate it because you know, you can see Emma's happy and she's engaging and listening. And the one specific story we listened over and over and over and over. We could have said it line by line. And this one, one morning I was washing dishes, man. Um, I was standing, I was washing dishes. And as I was washing dishes, this one line just climbed into my heart that it just felt so profound at this moment. And there's this little child that comes to Salty, and he asks this question to Salty, and this is what I want to preach about this morning. Okay? He asks him, he says, Salty, how do I praise God? And then Salty replies with this profound line. Okay, this is as simple as it gets. He tells the child, he says, it's when you think about Jesus, cannot hold it anymore and you need to praise him. I'm going to say it again. It's when you think about Jesus, you can't hold it anymore and you need to praise him. That thing just hit my heart at that moment. Because I'm telling you, everything, everything, everything in this life 
not just our physical worship of singing, but every life in this place, everything who we are, we, we live around the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus. That's what I want to speak about. I'm going to tell you, what do I mean when I use that word beauty this morning? I've got, I'm, going to, I'm going to mention it to you. But um, um, three weeks ago, I think, we had Mike DeFayer, he preached about the holiness of God. Isaiah 6, I don't know who of you were here that morning, he spoke about it. The week after that, um, Kevin preached um, about the knowledge of God. And then the week after that, I can't remember who preached, no, I'm joking. Milo preached. Milo preached about, well, he asked this question, it's one of the most important questions. What is your fragrance? Am I right, Milo? Okay. What is your fragrance? And I feel like we, we uh, this morning, I'm, I'm almost going to finish off the series. It was an unintentional series that we didn't plan. But I want to connect to those three Sundays this morning. I want to speak about the beauty of Jesus. Everyone say the word beauty. Uh, now, I want to hear, I only heard the front line. I could actually only hear Andre saying beauty. So, I want all of, I want to hear you this morning. Say beauty. Awesome. The beauty of Jesus. Quickly where you are, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want to read to you something. And, I, and this is what I am basically mean this morning when it comes to the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus is mostly the beauty, the, the beauty of His personality. I used to think that Jesus' beauty is only the visual aspect. And it is the visual aspect. Well, those are certainly a part of Jesus' beauty. The full truth is so much deeper. Hear this line. Jesus is beautiful because of who He is. Every single facet of His character is gloriously beautiful. His love, joy, playfulness, fierceness, humility, honesty, cleverness, justice, dedication, wisdom, faithfulness, and a thousand other traits are what makes Him absolutely stunning. As mere humans, as we can never be all these things as fully as we wish we could be. And no person in our lives could fulfill all these needs. But Jesus possesses all of these characteristics to their fullest possible extreme, all at once. That is the Jesus that we look at this morning. Amen? You can open your eyes. You don't have to close. I see some of you are like, my holiday just started. You know? That's not what I meant when I said close your eyes. But... When I speak about Jesus this morning and the beauty, I'm speaking about who He is. It is the most important question. A.W. Tozer used to say, when you think about God, what comes to mind is one of the most important questions that you and I can answer. It is so important. We can preach about so many things, but if this is not in place in our hearts, that we actually do not know Him, that we're not growing in our knowledge of God we are actually missing Him completely. You can tick all the church boxes, you can do all the right things, but if you do not know Him, you miss Him. Do you hear me this morning? Now I want to, I want to, uh, um, Brent, can you put up the photo of, of Ingrid's grave painting? Okay, oh, it doesn't look nice on these screens. Yo, it looks bad. Sorry guys, that, that actually looked, um, much more beautiful. Um, I promise you my wife can paint. <coughs> um, but I think often what happens is you and I, 
We get, uh, uh, most of us in this room, you maybe had an experience or encounter with the Lord. You gave your heart to the Lord. You got saved and you got to know Him at that stage. Maybe some of you got to know Him as the God that is holy. Some of you got to know Him at the stage as the, the loving Father. Some of you got to know Him as the faithful one, whatever it may be. And, and that is amazing. And often what happens is we stay with that one, or in that one place. I got to know Him as Father, and although He stays, yes, He is always a good Father. We do not grow in our knowledge of God. It is almost like this picture that is gray. Okay? It's a grayscale picture. It almost only has one color. You can put the color one in. Hey, that also looks bad. Hey. I say that looks better. But the beauty of Jesus is very much like this picture. You see the many colors on there. Although God is loving, He's also just. Although He is um, a, a loving Father, He's a righteous judge. Um, he's faithful, He's honest. All those things that I mentioned, as you look at this painting with all the colors, it does look a little bit better than the grayscale. Okay, sorry for these very expensive screens that we have that's displaying like this. But um, the beauty of Jesus is like a colorful picture. You're all with me here. All the different aspects form this one beautiful picture. Amen? Uh, let me, I'm not sure if all of you are with me, so I'm going to use a, sec a second example, a gray photo. Okay. Now that is Chara. Okay? I told you I'm, I need to put something in, you know? But that's, you know, as you can see, that looks dull. You know, that, 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 it's like one-sided. You can put the color photo in. That looks much better. You all agree? I see some of you are very surprised and I would use it. But um, the, one, the first photo, you know, the second photo, very handsome. Okay, so I have to give it to you, Hannah. Yeah, you can go on. You can go on. Thank you, Brent. So we often, the way that we view God determines how we follow God. The beauty of Jesus, the way that you see Him, whether we grow in our knowledge of God, as Kevin spoke two weeks ago, it's a very important question. Because it's not just going to affect your worship. It's going to affect the way that you live your life. It's going to affect the way you handle your finances. It's going to affect the way how you love your wife or your husband. It's going to affect the way how you parent parents. Youth, it's going to affect the way how you follow your parents. The beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus. I'm going to show you where... Oh, let me make this statement. The more we know Him the more we're going to smell like Him, as Milo said. The more we know Him, the more we're going to smell like Him. I'm going to use the example. My father's side of the family comes from Thaldriff. Is there anyone here from Thaldriff? You don't have to be shy. You can put your hand up. No judgment here. Okay. Anyways, um, my father's side is from Thaldriff. My, my grandfather was a fisherman, a rough, rough fisherman. Um, had his own boat, all those things. But the one thing is, there, there's a, a fish, um, I'm to say fabric, but that's not how you say it. Uh, uh, what's a fabric in, in English? Factory. There's a fish factory. And if, you, if you've been in Feldriff, you know when the wind blows a certain angle, you know, that smell is there. Now the one thing, because my, my, my grandfather was a fisherman, when we used to go to my grandmother's house, she had something that she always made for us. She made spaghetti bolognese. But what was very characteristic of her spaghetti bolognese is it always tasted like snook. 
There was no snook in that spaghetti. No snook. But for some reason, th that smell of fish infiltrated everything. Okay? And it, it became a, a funny, for, for some of you, it's like, ew. But for, for, for me, even as a child, it, it, it has so much fond memories. I remember going to my grandmother and having that fish smell everywhere. It really, it does. Even afterwards, I discovered one or two things of my grandmother that my, my mom inherited. And I literally smelled one of the books. I was like, snook. You know? That smell is still there. And you do have a smell. Each one of us here, you have a specific smell. Physically, you do. Some of it is pleasant. Some of you are not. <laughs> but as you spend time, I remember, I, like my wife has a specific perfume. If I hug her, okay, and I, I walk out or whatever, I can smell her perfume. You know, it goes with me. And I think it's similar as we get to know him and his character. There's something of that that rubs off on us. We smell like him. We look like him. Now, I, wanna, I quickly want to show you, where do we see, oh, let me say, um, there's a scripture in Psalm 34 verse 5. I didn't give it to you, Brent, so you don't have to put it on. But it says this. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Everyone say radiant. Everyone say shine. Those who look to God, they are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. There's a divine order that we see in the Bible. And it's this thing, of, as we look to Him, we're going to become radiant. We become like Him. Okay, we do. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. Now, let me quickly show you, where do we see the word beauty in the Bible? Psalm 45, verse 2. You can put that up for me, Brent. Psalm 45, you will see in Hebrews 1, it quotes from Psalm 45. And Psalm 45 is basically interpreted as a psalm that speaks about Jesus. It's a prophetic psalm we speak about. Now, hear what Psalm 45 verse 2 says. It speaks about Jesus here. It says, You are the most handsome of the sons of men. And Achat refers to himself as handsome so many times. But this says that Jesus is most handsome of the sons of men. Grace has poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Now, I don't think he speaks here of physical appearance. I just want to say that. Because actually, in Isaiah 53, we get the picture that, that Jesus actually wasn't the, you know, when you look, watch the Jesus movies, it looks like this new Swedish model playing Jesus, you know? Um, he doesn't even look Hebrew at all. But uh, he didn't necessarily have that type of uh, attractiveness. However he looked, it's actually not ir irrelevant. But I think it speaks about his character here. Who he is. It's interesting, the Hebrew word here for handsome, and most handsome, it's not just, a, you know, it's he is handsome. It, it says he is most handsome. It, it, it speaks about his great beauty. Okay. Then we have Song of Solomon 5 verse 10. This is the book in the Bible that most of you ignore, okay? You don't read about it. You don't get near it. But for some, I think sometimes for youth, it's actually good not to get near that book. But, you know, this... This book, if you look at the church fathers, I know Jonathan Stansfield even at a, at a gathering um, and preach into Song of Solomon. And it's this picture between a husband and a wife. And um, of many of the old church fathers interpreted it as the picture between Jesus and the bride, Jesus and the church. I know Jonathan Stansfield also referred to that picture. It's only the past 30 to 50 years that they said, no, it doesn't refer to Jesus. It's only between a husband and wife. It's just a, a physical book. 
But that, if you read the whole Bible in the context of it, that doesn't make sense. Okay, so I just want to mention that because I know for some people there would be a question about it. But Song of Solomon 5 verse 10 says, My beloved, okay, this is the, 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 the woman speaking about her beloved, him. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among ten thousands. Some translation says chief among ten thousands. We sing that song. My beloved is the most beautiful among thousands. You guys know that song? Ten thousands. That's where it actually comes from. Song of Solomon. Isaiah 33 verse 17 also speaks of the Jesus to come. Your eyes will see the king in his... Oh, thank you, Amra. <laughs> let's try again. Your eyes will see the king in his... No, let's try one more time. Gerard. Okay, your eyes will see the king in his... <laughs> Sounded like a pufferkas, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. They will behold a far distant land. Hebrews 1 verse 3 speaks about Jesus. I love this description. It says he is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Psalm 24 verse 7, we have David, the king of Israel. Now, I'm telling you, he's the king. He's the ruler of Israel, and he makes this statement. It's like, imagine President Cyril um, Ramaphosa comes and says, Hey, guys, I know, I know there's load shedding. Well, let me not say it. No, no man, there hasn't been loads. Oh, has there been? I don't even know if there's load shedding. I live without electricity now. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, yeah. It's just a funny story. My wife and I, we, one day we had like, three, four hours power off. And I'm like, yo, this is long. And then I realized we don't have power. <laughs> We're so used to load shedding. We just allowed it. And he was like, whoa, this is it. You know, load shedding. Anyways, it was load shedding short after we discovered, you know. Anyway, Psalm 24 verse 7. David the king, he has many things he must give his attention to. Many things that a king needs to. There's wars going on, all these things. And what does the king say? I am going to get all my advisors together and we are going to address all the problems of the land. No, that's not what he said. Psalm 24 verse 7. There's one thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hear this. To gaze upon the... Uh, let's try again. The... Of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The king, the ruler saying, this one thing I desire is to behold the beauty of God. Do you desire it this morning? The Hebrew for one thing is a very complex word. It means one thing. There's no other meaning. It means one thing. It's very exclusive. It doesn't say many things. It says one thing. One thing he desired, and that's the beauty of God. You all still with me? I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 8. This is a scripture that you will hear me quote often. Okay. I want to bring it in this morning. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. It says, As we behold Jesus, we are being transformed by His Spirit. You are being changed at this moment. 
as you're sitting here, the Spirit is working in you, whether you're going through suffering or whether you're in the best season of your life. Jesus is forming you. The Spirit is forming you this morning. Now, I want to say, I want to I make this practical by looking at Scripture this morning. Okay. I want to take us to Matthew 9, verse 9 to 13. The calling of Matthew. If you have a Bible with me, or you can read with me, okay? Matthew 9, verse 9 to 13. I'm going to read it with you, and you can read with me. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with them and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, I, I know some of you is like, Skulk, you just said this. What has this to do with anything that you said? Now I'm going to show you, okay? We all, all just gear yourself, just, you know, holiday mode, throw it away, just engage for a little bit more. But Matthew was a tax collector. Now that's like working for SARS, okay? You have a very negative view, most probably, of someone working at SARS, um, and in the sense of not the person, but, you know, SARS is an institution, they take our money or whatever. But in that time, tax collectors, they, they, uh, it, was, it was Jewish tax collectors that worked for the Roman government. So they were viewed as traitors, not just as a, a normal negative view. They were seen as a traitor. The Israelites looked at these tax collectors and they literally thought, you are a traitor. You are betraying us. And they would basically inflate the taxes. These tax collectors take a little bit of profit for them and give it then to the Roman government. So they stole from the, the Israelites. They were seen as the worst sinners. Now at that moment, Jesus speaks to Matthew and he says, follow me. Follow me. Now that phrase is very profound. Specifically because this is a tax collector that he just met. We just got the idea. He just saw Matthew and he spoke to him, follow me. If I walk up to you and say, follow me, just those words, you must probably going to be like, huh? But if the creator of everything stands in front of you, look in your eyes and say, follow me, it's different. It's so much different. You know that phrase, follow me. Jewish boys grew up. Hear this. Imagine you guys had to do this, man. Jewish boys grew up and they had to learn the five books of the Bible out of their heads. Okay? Like word for word. Yo, this is holiday, eh? All of you. Okay? Those five books they had to study, they had to know it out of their heads. Then they got to a certain age where they had to decide, I'm either going to become a rabbi, I'm going to become a religious teacher, or I'm going to do what my father always did. That's why some of the fishermen, their fathers were fishermen. Um, but you had that choice. And if you decided, listen, I want to study further. I want to become a religious leader. You would go to a rabbi's house. You will knock on the door. Hello, can I come in? You come into the house. And that rabbi will ask you questions about those five books. It will test your knowledge. And if he is satisfied that you will be a good student, he looked at you and then he said, follow me. Isn't that interesting? It's exactly the same phrase. 
So when Jesus looked at Matthew, this sinner in front of him, he said, Hey, I believe there's potential in you. I believe. I actually see what you are when you are redeemed. Follow me. <laughs> Follow me. It's very important. Very important. Let's go on. While Jesus was having dinner with Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and the disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with collectors? Now the Pharisees, they didn't eat with anyone that could harm their reputation. So they believed, if I sat around the table with a tax collector or with whoever that's seen as a sinner, it's going to harm my reputation. And the contrary, they, they went and they created extra laws so that those laws can protect their self-righteousness, their reputation. Okay? So for them, seeing Jesus eating with a tax collector was quite a, a, how can Jesus do this? This is such a sinful thing. And then Jesus gives one of the most profound answers in that moment. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Number one, he tells those Pharisees, go and learn. These are the most learned men in society. It is very ironic or actually very clever from Jesus to say, go and learn. <laughs> He's speaking to the most learned people and saying, listen, you, there's actually something you need to learn. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he quotes from Hosea 6 in that moment. Hosea 6, he quotes from in that moment. Can you quickly go with me to Hosea 6? When someone in the Jewish context is quoted from Hosea 6, just a line, everyone in that society knew that it's not just that line, it's that whole portion of Scripture that we had to look at. The Pharisees immediately knew Jesus was quoting Hosea 6 when he made that phrase. This is what Jesus was referring to. And I want to read to you just the first six verses. Okay. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, that He may heal us. He has struck us down, and He will bind us up. For after two days He will revive us. On the third day He will raise us up, that we may live before Him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. He's going out as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. Therefore I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of god rather than burned offerings so what am i saying scott please tell us what are you saying when jesus made that statement i desire mercy and not sacrifice he was basically saying hey you're doing all the right things but inside inside you are rotting you're doing all the right things but there's no connection with me You've done all those things, but there's no connection. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's saying it's my mercy that changes you, and out of you would flow mercy. You cannot give what you have not received. And Hosea 6, Israel was, they, was, they were in this interesting relationship with God. They would, they would do the, the right things, and at first they turned their back on God, and then they will come back and they will do right things, and it wouldn't last. And Hosea 
comes and he gives this word. This, it's quite a heavy word, a, a word of judgment. And he makes this statement. He says, your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. Now, when I read that, whom have you played rugby when you were in primary school? Only four of you. Okay. What's happening, happening to society? Um, now, in primary school, you play rugby without shoes. And I remember you had those early morning games where there was dew on the rugby field. Anyone? Okay. I hated those moments. I think all the kids hated that moment. Everyone hated that moment except the grown-ups with shoes. Okay? But that, that rugby felt would burn your feet. I don't know. It's a, it's a cold burn. You know, it's, like, it's a different burn. And then as the sun comes out and you're playing, you're heating up and the sun is obviously, the, the sunlight is on the field, suddenly the dew disappears, okay, and it becomes normal. And here, Isaiah compares their love to morning dew. It's there in the morning and it disappears as the day go on. It disappears as the day go on. That portion of scripture goes on and says, let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He's going forth and establishing us the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Did you know that they didn't have house pipes and stuff to, to water their, their farmland? They had to wait for the rain to come. That was their only way. And here he's, he's writing, he's, he's writing on behalf of Israel. He's saying, this is what God is doing. We need to return. Come us. Let us return to the Lord. Pursue the knowledge of God. Grow in your knowing of Him. That's what it's about. I desire steadfast love and not burnt offerings. With this, this morning, I'm not saying what you're doing is not important. I'm saying God's kingdom works from the inside out, not from the outside in. Religion works from the outside in. You need to be perfect and maybe you will change in the outside, uh, inside. God's kingdom comes and changes your heart and there will be an outflow out of that. As you behold His beauty, you will have His fragrance. As you behold His beauty, you will have His fragrance. Now, I want to end with the last story that most of you know. Zacchaeus. Whom of you know the story of Zacchaeus? Okay. It's one of those stories that I know, but it's one of those stories that's always in a children's Bible. Okay? The parents, you would know. The story of Zacchaeus is in every children's Bible you can think of for some reason. There's the story of the short man. Now, Zacchaeus means pure. It means pure. Did you know that? Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. You know, Matthew was the tax collector. Zacchaeus was the, the tax collector of tax collectors. You know, he was like the CEO of such, or whatever, you know. I'm trying to make it applicable and normal. But anyways, but, but he was the chief. He organized the tax collectors and they would get profit they will send the money to him and he will give it to the roman government so he you know he was the chief one of all of them luke 19 verse 1 to 10 okay this is the last and then and then we're really done okay jesus entered jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy he wanted to see who jesus was but because he was short he could not see over the crowd so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, 
since Jesus was coming that way. Now hear this, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. How did the, whoa. Anyone ever thought, how did that happen? Is it just me? How did Jesus know he is Zacchaeus? That was a supernatural moment. But we know the story so well, we actually forget it. Jesus walks up to that tree. He knew about Zacchaeus. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus. Again, remember what I said now. When someone else calls your name, which they called him Zacchaeus, it was just Zacchaeus. Or when the creator of all the earth calls you pure, you listen. He climbs down that tree, as most of you know. I wish I could have acted out. I wish I, wish I could have had a tree here, Gareth, and you could have. It would have just been so, you know. Milo, you can stand here and then he can, you know. No, no, no. Uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now hear Zacchaeus' response. So he came down at once, welcomed him gladly. Oh, man, Lord, may you find a heart like that in each one of us. That we welcomed you gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. There we see the same thing as now. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated any, uh, uh, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will um, pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. Now hear this. Here we see the outflow. He said, I will give back possessions. I would sell anyone that I've cheated. I want to make right. I promise you, Jesus didn't come and stand there and say, listen, um, the first thing to Zacchaeus, I, I think you need to make, you need to give back all the money now immediately, you know? But there's something, I believe, there's something of the mercy of God revealed to Zacchaeus that changed him, that made this the outflow. When he saw Jesus standing there, he could have gone to anyone else at that moment. And he goes to Zacchaeus under the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, you're pure. That's what I created you to do. This is my mercy. Zacchaeus responds, he welcomed him gladly. The beauty of Jesus revealed in in the moment who he is, his mercy. And it changed him. And the outflow is, I'm going to sell everything in my life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? God is most glorified in us when our knowledge and experience of Him ignite a forest fire of joy that consumes all competing pleasures and He alone becomes the treasure that we prize in our hearts. He wants to reveal Himself to you this morning. The beauty of Jesus, who He is, He wants to reveal Himself to each one of us this morning. There's some of you, you've been following the Lord for years, and maybe you've been stuck in just a one-dimensional picture of Him. You haven't allowed the Spirit, as we read in Ephesians 1, to reveal Jesus to you. You, you don't have that heart posture, if we read about Zacchaeus, that you've welcomed Him gladly. That's a heart posture that you and I need to take. Do you know there's certain aspects of who Jesus is that will make you feel uncomfortable? Do you know that? There's certain aspects of him that will make you feel uncomfortable. See, C.S. Lewis says he's not a lion that we can tame him. 
We cannot tame Jesus. We cannot. But He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to reveal Himself to broken marriages this morning. He wants to reveal Himself if you do not know Him this morning. He wants to come and reveal Himself this morning. To each one of you this morning, quickly close your eyes, just where you are. Lord, this is not a byproduct what you're speaking about this morning. It's not a, maybe this is an important thing. Maybe this is, you know, uh, this is just one thing in my spiritual toolbox that I would, you know, keep safe going ahead and walking with you. Lord, this is the, the most important thing, Lord, the knowledge of God. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, Jesus. Larry, before you play, there's this, this old song. I'm just going to a cappella and just sing it out. I keep on thinking of the song this, this whole morning. It says, Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. There is no greater thing. You're my own. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're my best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, would you come? And pull those hearts this morning that do not know you into the reality of your beauty revealed, Jesus. I want to 